How many people are in the swing of school already? You guys got it all figured out? What's Wednesday at St. John's? Chapel, and then for lunch on Wednesdays we have pizza day. They're getting into the swing of it. They got it all figured out. Just ask them, right? How many of you still have to scrape them out of bed? And you don't have to answer that, but right? The, the ebb and the flow, the routine of school, you're pretty much there. If you're new to St. John's, if you're new to our church and new to our culture, have you figured out what we stand for yet? Have you figured it out? Because we're not shy about it, and we haven't changed for over 140 years. But the, the focus of, of our faith at St. John's is faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus' mom was Mary. His daddy who raised him, name was Joseph. He had disciples. How many did he have? Twelve. What else can you tell me about Jesus? He died on the cross. Very good. And then what did he do after he died on the cross? He rose again from the dead. Do you think he's ever coming back? Yeah. You going to be ready when he comes back? <laughs> oh, right? My friend, he's 94 years old. Pastor, that's our business. I go, what are you talking about? Those kids know Jesus. Now, what we don't put on your students' backs or yours is another burden, right? Well, you know Jesus, and here's all you have to do to have Jesus love you. If we were going to do that, we would be a church that had billions of dollars in the bank over 140 years. But we don't leverage that. That's the religion of the world, not the religion, faith in Jesus Christ. When you break it down, there's really only two faiths. There's faith in Jesus, where God comes down to humanity, and then there's the religion of the world by which everyone kind of works their way to God until they're absolutely exhausted and, and beat up. And if you have that Galatians reading with you, that's what that reflects. The idea that the Galatians, after Paul had preached to them and got them all squared away, <laughs> That they said, wait a minute, here's all you got to do. Now you know Jesus and here's all you got to do. We don't do a lot of that. We, we, we do a lot of what you just heard. And so as we work through our sermon series, we're teaching a book at a time, which is really hard for the preacher to take it down from, you know, five verses. And I got to preach on like 400 or whatnot. So buckle up. Here we go. It'll be great. Now I'm just messing with y'all. Um, but that religion of the world, the religion of the law, the religion that all of humanity gets and gives expression to has three basic pieces to it. The first is that you work until you can't work anymore. Someone who is tormented in their conscience, someone who struggles with pain in their soul, to have somebody leverage that, a very, very painful piece. And you do and 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 do until you're finally done doing. Which produces one of two things. Either someone who says, well, I've done it all and I got it all together, so leave me alone. Or someone who says, I can't possibly do it all and I'm crushed and broken in spirit. That's what that religion of the law that Paul speaks against in Galatians does. It provides a, 
opportunity for you to work until you can't work anymore, not getting where you want to get to, no matter what you do. And that's part of the second piece. You never, you never get there. You never arrive. You never have done enough. You never have given enough. You never have served enough. You've never, you, you, you've never made it all the way, so your conscience is kind of released. And that's ugly. And it's ugly for preachers or whoever else to pile on you and say, you know what, we know you did all this, now all you have to do is. And I really, really struggle with that. I struggle when a person, especially a young person, has a burden put on their heart that's so great they can't get out from underneath it, and then they're told all they have to do is a little bit more work. Well, maybe, maybe not, right? And that little spirit gets crushed. So the first piece is you work until you can't work anymore. The second piece is you can't get there all the way. And the third piece is that there's this hole in our heart that gnaws away with guilt and the little voice that says, you're not good enough, you need to do more. And so we wear ourselves out doing more, more practices, more appointments, more of this, more of that, more money invested, more service, more time, more, more, more. And the more is never enough, and the more never satisfies, which is why Paul steered the Galatians away from that faith where we work our way to God, and Paul put a premium on the way that God works His way to us. Maybe you are tired and worn out. I applaud you for bringing your children to help lead us in service today. That's just awesome that you're here. And I know that's not easy. And I know you have a hundred other things to do. But this is the place where God comes down and meets us. With His Word and with His promise, He meets us in this spot for a, a little bit of time that helps redirect our hearts and redirect our minds away from everything we got to do with the focus on Jesus and who he is and what he does. When the, Paul did his thing in Galatia, he had it all figured out. The people turned around and went a different way. So he writes this letter and he says, come on, let's go back to Jesus. Let's go back to the cross. And so Paul speaks boldly and beautifully of how Christianity works. And I love that. The most pure form of Christianity is given in the epistle to the Galatians. And it's just absolutely beautiful what it means for the peace that we want to have in our hearts and the presence of God for you and me. And so this piece of Scripture is just beautiful from Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sunship. People do, you guys do treadmills? Yeah, do you treadmill, you do the elliptical machine? Yeah, you do the, good for you. You're a better man than me, Greg. Any cyclists out there? I know I got some cyclists. Yeah, 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 it makes, it does, it's huge, right? I like to mountain bike. I struggle with anything that's stationary. I'm just too spastic. I go, oh, I gotta get up and go. And so every time, I'd say every time, but a lot of the times when I'm out riding my bike, I catch people in the park and they go, hey, you're Pastor Tim. I'm like, yeah, just, yeah, good. I, my headphones on, I'm just kind of rocking. But I like that. I like that kind of exercise that's the path. I like, I like the biking because it's a little, it's a little macho, it's a little tough. Every so often you take a spill and you're like, 
you still got it. Yep, 59 and still tough. Woo, right? I like going out. Yesterday, I went out with my son, and we did Weir Loop, if you're familiar. I know some of you are. And uh, we don't talk too much when we're out on that because we're concentrating on not falling. I think yesterday he was sent as a tail by my wife to make sure I didn't fall, which is kind of funny because I just fell a couple weeks ago and took some stitches, but whatever, I'll preach that another time. But I like the physicality of the bike. I like that there's a technical piece to it. I like the piece to it that there is a little, maybe I'll fall and maybe I won't. But what I really like is that when I'm done, yesterday I did 10 miles about, I hang my bike up in the garage and there's this calm that comes over me. And I don't know it's the fact that my legs and lungs have worked so hard. I don't know that it's I've been outside. Usually I see roadrunners and quail and occasionally a deer and a bobcat. And I absolutely love that. I love the movement. I love going and sweating and getting after it. The first religion that I talked about is kind of like being on a treadmill or a stationary bike. You pedal and pedal and pedal and pedal and pedal and sweat and sweat and sweat and sweat and sweat and you just don't get any farther. What Paul gives to the Galatians here is a living, dynamic faith in Jesus Christ where God comes down to us and delivers his love and his kindness to you and me so that at the end of the ride, there's this transcendent peace. And I don't know about you, but the one thing I crave in my heart right now is peace. There's three pieces to this faith that Paul talks about. And the first one is that God works his way to us. God sent his son, Paul writes. God comes down to us. Let's go through the story again. Mary, she is mother of Jesus, so they had the baby in a, in a, put him in a manger, and the city was Bethlehem. Ever been to Bethlehem? It's a real place. I've been there. It's super cool. It's like a real place. Mary and Joseph were real people. Jesus was a real guy. Thousands and thousands of people saw him. And then Jesus, did he ever heal sick people? Yeah. yeah. Did he ever preach and teach? Yeah. You know? Did he ever... He died. That's sad. But then what happened? That's pretty good. God came down. Fifth graders, no. God came down. Came down in the person of Jesus. They're going to hold that story in their hearts until they see Jesus face to face. It's the most powerful inheritance that you could give to your children that they would know Jesus like that. God came down. God came down to you and me, to walk in our shoes, to get the dust on his feet like we get on ours, to, to be raised in a family and to know the, the hassle and the, the structure and the, the pain of that, to lose loved ones at Lazarus's tomb, right? Jesus knows what goes in and through our lives because he came down to live with us. And the children, the students have the story just right. God pursues you. God is not hiding and somehow you need to unearth a rock to find him. God is not avoiding you. God is not shunning you because you haven't done enough. Rather, God comes into the world and pursues you. And the seal of that pursuit is his death and his resurrection. 
And He comes to us this morning in the Word and promise. In a moment, we're going to celebrate the sacrament. Dr. Stottero is going to lead us in that. We're going to come with our hands out. We're going to say, Lord, we need what You have. We need Your grace and Your mercy. Take and eat. This is for You. I am with You. I love You. I am with You. God says to us. God works His way to us. Secondly, when God arrives, He delivers costly grace. Jesus is our revelation of God. We see God the Father through the face of Jesus Christ and the frustrations that we have and the struggles that we have, the sin that we have, the guilt that we have, the shame that we experience, the stuff in the back quiet places of our heart. All of those find resolution at the cross of Christ. And Paul speaks of that as an inheritance. Not you get what you deserve but you are inheritors of the grace and the love of God in Jesus. The world says you get what you deserve. Work your way out. Get on that treadmill and grind it out. Jesus says, I love you and I am with you always. And you can't outrun me or my love. Nothing you could do would separate me from you. And I died for you. And you belong to me. And I think that makes us tough. I like being tough. Who is the most resilient group of people in the history of humanity for the last 2,000 years? You. <laughs> we're, we're tough. We've been through wars. We've been through two world wars. We've been through depression. We've been through all the crazy stuff. We've been through culture where it's had good government and bad government. We've been through crazy things, the pandemic. We went through the Black Plague and we made it through. We've been through stuff for 2,000 years. And there's 600 of you here sitting this morning. Are you nuts? No. You're Christians. And there's a resiliency inside of us that the world looks and says, you guys are getting kicked in the head right now. Are you crazy? And we say, maybe we are. But the one we follow rose from the dead. And our inheritance is found in His grace and in His love. And it's that that forms us and makes us courageous. Our ancestors stood before the lions. Our ancestors stood before the courts. And they said, you can mess with me, but you can't take away my faith. And that's just in the last, say, 85, 90 years. I think our faith in Jesus Christ makes us resilient. Because that which is in us is greater than that which is in the world. And finally, the God's arrival in Christ drives humanity towards unity. What we have in Him unites us more than sin and corruption can do to set us against one another. Jesus had women in His entourage. Rabbis didn't typically do that. The first people at the cross were the ones to tell the disciples, we have seen the Lord, were the women. And that's recounted in the New Testament. Jesus always had a special place for women and provided dignity for women. Why? Well, because, Paul writes, there's not male or female, that one is better than the other. We're all one in Christ. The same with ethnicity, right? The first convert that St. Philip brought to the Lord Jesus was a man from Ethiopia. The man who carried the cross of Christ was from a place called Cyrene, an African-American man. In Christ, there's no Jew or Gentile, slave or free. 
We're all one in him. Jesus bridging the gap between people and people groups to bring people together. One says it's clean. One says it's unclean. Jesus says it's not about that. It's about me. Taking a humble posture so that humanity could live at peace with one another, with relationships, families that are filled with warmth and closeness, sacrifice, and love. And that's what makes not just our school, but our community countercultural to the religion and the culture of the world. And your students, my grandson, they benefit powerfully from the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ implanted in them and lived out every day. This week, we have an interesting opportunity to get off the cosmic treadmill, to think deeply, to feel deeply, to be in community, to check exhaustion at the door and fatigue at the door, spiritual fatigue at the door, and take a few more steps in our journey with Jesus, find our peace and our confidence in Him. Amen? Amen.